Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. It was the biggest question on everyone's mind when GPT entered the chat. Are robots going to steal my job? Humans will continue to play a pivotal role in customer service, but our roles will change significantly and for the better. In fact, 78% of support leaders say they expect AI to transform customer support careers in the next five years. But what will that look like? And how can we best prepare our teams for the new roles and opportunities to come? Well, that's what today's episode is all about. Our guests are Ruth O'Brien, Director of Automated and Proactive Support at Intercom, Christian Osmondson, Global Head of Customer Experience at Deliverect, Sam Ford, Merchant Success Manager at Zapiet, and finally, Lauren Francis, Customer Support Process Improvement Manager at Intercom. So let's head over to studio to get this conversation started. It's been almost a year since ChatGPT was released and made waves across every industry, particularly customer service. What I'd love to start with is knowing what's the biggest thing that has changed in your support strategy in the past year? Christian, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah, sure. So about a year ago, we were very much a phone-based support company, and we had actually already taken the decision to ramp down phone support. We didn't find it scalable. We work 24-7, and we're also multi-global company with so many languages to support. So we saw that that was really not the way for us to go. We struggled with response times going up instead of down, and uh, we decided already then that we wanted to become a chat-first company. So we had already done that and ramped down our phone lines in January, February. And this came, of course, at the same time as the whole the chat DBT hype came over the winter, where everyone wanted to jump on it quickly. We also wanted that. We saw that this had great opportunities. Phone wasn't really a self-serve channel as such. It's very difficult to self-serve customers on the phone. So when we talked to Intercom about ChatGPT, we decided to get uh, early into the beta in May. And we uh, want, of course, to develop this as soon as possible. One thing we discovered very quickly was that we might have been super excited about AI, but our customers, not so much. We believed they were, but we found quickly that we needed to have strategies in place to make this a, let's say, successful collaboration with human agents. And I think this is still something that we need to focus on and become better at in the future. So, and as well, there's a learning curve, right? Just mm -hmm. as checkout tills in the supermarkets were made self-serve, we didn't like it in the beginning. Now it works really smoothly. And I think we have to accept that there's a learning curve and it's going fast also for our customers. 100%. Ruth and Lauren, what's your experience been? Yeah, I mean, we work at Intercom that's developing AI-powered tools. So we're in a privileged position that we have the tools at our fingertips as they're being built. But a lot of pressure comes with that in needing to use it as our own best customer to show off our products to the best of their ability so that our customers want more of it. So it's been a really, really interesting journey. We have worked with automation for years now at Intercom, and we've been trying to automate and automate more for our customer support team across the last few years. But obviously, when ChatGPT came along, that changed everything. And earlier this year, we launched our product, Finn. And the kind of results that we're seeing in terms of the resolution rates for Finn has been absolutely incredible. So I guess the biggest change in our strategy is just how much we've been able to ramp it up in terms of automated resolution rates. 
and start really thinking about longer term strategies for what we're going to ask our support agents to do in the future, because we want to move more away from this transaction based, volume based type of work in the customer support world and help those teams become more skilled in in other areas and become more consultative with our customers. And content has actually been a huge, huge piece of our strategy over the last year and will be into the coming years. I think every support person knows that having really good content is very important, but trying to prioritize that in the face of firefighting a very busy queue has been very difficult in the past, especially when you couldn't really see an amazing, immediate, very solid return investment metric. Whereas now with content feeding Finn, and you can see Finn resolution rates up front and center, it's just become really clear why excellent content to feed the bot is so important. So that's a long-winded answer to say that, you know, all things automation were part of our strategy anyway. We've ramped them up and content has become more and more important to us. And just to add to what Ruth was saying around our AI bot Finn and with automation, they really take on those routine tasks and are able to answer any sort of commonly asked questions. And so this really leaves our support reps to focus on like more complex and interesting problems. And those problems tend to be more often require emotional intelligence. And that is something that is uniquely human strength. 100%. Sam, what's that one thing been for you that's changed over the past 12 months? So I think we entered the space at the very right time. So a bit like Christian, we became chat first maybe about two years ago. We we really shifted that focus. But we had one key difference in as much as we always had a human the other end. And I was so resistant to even embracing just a chat book long before Finn even arrived. And it was Finn, that first beta demo. When I seen it, I was like, yeah, we've we've got to go all in on this. We've got to make this happen. So in, in one essence, like the biggest changes, we've actually just embraced all of the chatbot technology in the space of 12 months. And it's transformed how we do things and all of the time that the like our agents and our staff have to go and do other things with. That's brilliant. Ruth, how would you recommend structuring the rep's time that is freed up from AI? Like what kinds of projects are people working on? Yeah, so one thing for us at the moment is that Finn is helping us a lot, but we're still very, very busy. And Finn has saved us, to be honest, over the course of the last few months and and year. Ideally, what we want to be able to do is get to a point where we continue to ramp up those resolution rates to a point where we really do have more time and space for for our teams, but it's a bit of an ebb and flow at the moment. The plan is, however, that we give the team like a large chunk of their week over the course of the next like few months and years to do things like content creation or, you know, help with onboarding customers. And I foresee that over the course of the next few years, the customer success world and the customer support world are going to become more blended. Again, that's when support people start to move away from those more transaction based interactions, you know, just answer the question and instead start to help to guide a customer through like, well, really, what is the problem that you're trying to solve with our product? And how can I help make you really successful here instead of just answering the question that's right in front of you? But that will require training, right? Because that's a different skill set to kind of classic support frontline work. There's a bunch of other things like, I mean, I would love for our support specialists to be enabled to become support engineers by going through like technical tracks, again, because more and more the sort of work that our support team is going to be doing is going to be that more technical work that Finn isn't able to answer right now. Right. So, yeah, there's a ton of different things that I have on the horizon for us. And yeah, I'm just really glad that we have Finn 
with us now to help enable that to happen because before it was so up and down with busy queues to be able to give people a few hours here or a few hours there and in the future what I'm hoping we'll be able to structure it like is that everybody is like a part-time content manager or a part-time you know upskilling to become an engineer or something like that but in terms of like how you structure it you need to be so mindful of still there is a customer queue going to be there right for most teams so figuring out a way to actually schedule that so that there's still people working with customers directly other people working on the different initiatives, it's not super straightforward. And I think anybody who's been involved in customer support scheduling will be able to attest to that, that figuring out the best way to structure it in terms of the times that people take, how many hours is it, how many days is it, and what time of the day, that's all stuff that we're still figuring out on our side, to be honest. But I'm I'm really excited to see the kind of skills that our team are able to flex into now and start to be able to add to their CV over the course of the next few years. And so, like, I suppose we definitely see people's roles evolving, but I also want to dig into net new roles teams are adding to support their new strategies. And Ruth, I'll start with you. How have you thought about new roles on your team since the introduction of AI? Are you adding new roles or expanding the scope of current ones? And I also noticed that your own title changed recently. So I'd love for you to share a bit more on that, too. Like I said, initially, you know, we're in a privileged yet pressured place to show off our AI and automation products to the best of our ability. So I am privileged that I'm on a team and in a company that will make this happen for this specific type of role because we need to do it for, like I said, showing our product off to the best of its abilities, but also because we truly believe it's the right thing to do in the way of the future, right? Yeah, like I said, my own role has changed recently. I was working in frontline support for like a decade and I was five years leading our EMEA support team at at Intercom and just recently moved into a, a role focused on a team that is going to implement our own AI and automation and our content management strategy and our community as well, which we see as proactive support. So that's why the title is automated and proactive support. So even just for myself, this whole other career opportunity has come up for me, which is really cool and exciting. If you told me like a year and a half ago that I would have automation in my title or my <laughs> my day-to-day really outside of like other people on the team doing some stuff with automation for our customers, I would never have believed it. So it's really, really cool. In terms of new roles on my team, we have a conversation designer who we hired earlier this year. So that's in that sort of like, you know, chatbot implementation space. And we had a help center manager for a couple of years anyway, more than a couple of years, actually. But that person's role has evolved beyond being a help center manager and into a knowledge manager. So they manage more than just the direct help articles. They're starting to manage things like the breadth of information that we share with our customers beyond just help center. And then eventually we'll probably start moving some of the internal knowledge into that as well. It's kind of a space that's we're refiguring out at the moment too, but it's cool to see that individual's role change as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'll hand over to Lauren because Lauren's role is brand new as well and a, a new type of role that we have on our team. Yeah, as Ruth mentioned, my roles is one of the new roles that was recently created. And so, as I mentioned earlier, my focus is really on process improvement. And so efficient and effective process is crucial for the success of the business. And that's because the cost of acquiring new customers is higher than that of retaining existing ones. And so good process can really ensure that our customer expectations are satisfied. And so when it comes to 
process, and especially with the rise of AI and automation, process is really important, particularly when it comes to the customer journey and the handoff between AI and the human support rep. And it's important to ensure that journey is seamless. And so when it comes to process, you can really think of that as almost like the glue that links the two together to create a consistent experience. Sam, how is Zapier approaching new roles? So the conversation designer is kind of where we're going with this. So we started very early on. Um, obviously, we were lucky to be a beta customer of Finn. So we immediately realized we need to treat this just like one of our other colleagues. We need to QA it. We need to do everything to it to make sure that it's representing us, how one of our human members of our team would actually represent us. So we realized very early on that we needed to create some kind of role focused on this. It's not quite full-time yet. It's more of a part-time role, obviously, given the size, we're a, we're a smaller business. But I would foresee by next year, we will have somebody full-time doing this. Now, luckily, it was interesting looking at the poll there as well, because I think there's some real opportunities for Intercom as well. If you look at the suite of tools that you guys built at the very beginning to what's there today, almost they may not even need to be that analysis role because it even itself can be replaced by AI and the software that you guys build. So I can understand there being hesitance for some businesses because, you know, yeah, we've got the main core tool built now. We're just adding the extras on top to go with it. Yeah, I get you. And what about Deliver It, Christian? Oh, are you adding new roles at the minute? Yeah, so actually we we did after a few months because we started off with not doing it and uh, we based ourselves on our technical writers and uh, what they could do to help us with the AI analysis, etc. Uh, but after a few months, we, we discovered, of course, that we also needed help with conversation design and someone who is more dedicated to the project. So now we have... Uh, one individual on full-time working with AI and also that would say Intercom flows in general to make uh, that collaboration work smoothly. In addition to this, we have discovered that it's important to engage our support reps as well. So we have opened up for something we call just an operational committee where support reps who feel they have maybe an additional technical interest and would like to be more part of this development they contribute and they can do a lot of things to help in, let's say, looking at snippets and vetting, you know, AI suggestions, all these things, testing out flows. And it's good for engagement. And it's also good because we, we have some freed up capacity that allows us to do this now. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with Intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. 
It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. I mean, how do you know which role or roles were most important to add first? It's something I'm wondering for everyone, really. <laughs> for us, anyway, it came pretty naturally. We saw that we really needed someone with interests and skill sets to work with digital communication. We were lucky to have that internally in our teams. And at the same time, we had to have someone who could set up that initial conversation design and start creating processes to boost the AI impact. And that was first and foremost uh, focusing maybe on help center and expanding that and doing a proper review. After that, I think we'll have to develop it. So uh, I suppose let's move on to, you know, whether reps are going to take on new responsibilities within the roles or take on new roles altogether. Skill development is definitely going to be critical here. So to our panel, what skills are going to be most critical for reps moving forward, do we think? I think problem solving, curiosity, and the ability to learn, I think those have always been really crucial skills, but they're going to be even more so now. So with AI and automation, as we've been talking about them taking on those routine tasks and freeing up people's time, reps are going to be spending more of their time solving those complex problems. And then also, as Ruth mentioned earlier, the end goal is if a lot of their time is being freed up. They'll have the opportunities to spend time on longer term projects that can contribute to company goals. I also think other soft skills such as judgment, adaptability, and emotional intelligence are going to be critical for a reps to hone moving forward. So for example, knowing when to make an exception, really because these are the things that separate like us humans from AI. So really any of the skills that humans can do that AI can, I think are going to be really important for people to learn moving forward. Ruth, would you add anything to that? Yeah, definitely. We really lean on our frontline team to help us on the content creation side of things and also the bot optimization. So we have a content manager and we also have a conversation designer, but they don't work frontline with customers, right? So we're always going to need our teams to part-time, however many hours that is per week, contribute to this work because they know the questions that customers are asking. They know the nuances of what is difficult to explain or difficult to understand And they're the ones seeing the opportunities, you know, something comes through that went through an automated flow and a customer either didn't like it or like, you know, it came through to the wrong inbox or something like that. They see all that on the ground every day and they'll be able to also see like, where could we optimize further and where can they use automation? You know, I think certainly I, my first thing with automation that I think of is that it all happens at the beginning, right? Customer opens Messenger um, bot interacts with them. But once an agent starts working with a conversation, like what automation can we do to help them in their role as well? So like, again, asking the team to tell us what it is that they need, what can we automate more and more? And they also need to be skilled in the use of automation tools, like the likes of what we have within Intercom now, where they can use different automations to, you know, summarize conversations or change the tone of a conversation. They're really going to need to like upskill in that space. And then 
for us, like I said, keep making suggestions about how we can keep getting better and better. So being really on top of, I suppose, being really like forward thinking in terms of what we could do is definitely a skill that we're going to need of folks and also being skilled in the actual use and implementation of automation and AI, which is cool because I don't think that would have been the case really a few years ago. So it's really kind of new and interesting world that we're living in. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. Um, I'm wondering what, what kind of training or like development programs, if any, you know, have you started recently? This is to everyone, really. So we've definitely moved into a focus of moving people into like our product pipeline and kind of expanding that within our teams here. So that is one of the people that's almost moved into a full-time role as of just literally last week. And it's, we always knew it was a bottleneck, but it's always that the chicken and the egg situation. You've got to make everything rounded to kind of get there. And we were finally with some of the savings that we've taken from like Finn and AI being in our support strategy we're able to give that person that time to move forward. So it's still very loose. It's still very written down on a piece of paper in pencil because occasionally you might need to rub things out and go, nope, it's not that anymore. But the structure that we're building is a framework that we can use for new hires as they come in in the future and kind of actually for once really show them some that there is career progression within our business. And actually that's really important because I love taking, when I go hiring, I love taking existing members of staff into the interviews with me. A, first of all, it's a friendly face if they kind of get hired and they see them later or whatnot, but they're able to share their experience with that person. And I can say, hey, I started out in that role that you're applying for, but today I do this. And I think that's going to really help that in the future. It is. That's really great. Christian, are you looking at, at that aspect of it at the minute? So when it comes to training, I think in the beginning, we have been very ad hoc based. So whenever there was a new functionality released, it's something we wanted to roll out. We immediately had to run a training with the team in our weekly calls and say, this is how we can use a summarize function. This is how you can use the elaborate function. This is how you use the ask function while you're working in the inbox, right? So we have done that, I would say, with a very uh, tight frequency up until now. But we also realized the other day with our quality training team that we need a more systematic approach now because every day of our support reps is changing. You need other skill sets as well to start that job completely different than what it was like 12, 18 months ago. I think especially having that sense of mind of the collaboration that exists, I would say, between the bot and the human interaction. So it feels like a natural and good flow for the customer because we know our customers are not crazy about bots. And at least then we have to make sure that the transition into a human, if that's the way it ends, is a very natural road. Yeah, we definitely need to review our basic training plan. And I think if you add what we all use, machine translations of multi-languages also into that puzzle, it uh, makes it a very different world. And I suppose speaking of that different world, and this is a bit more of a, a philosophical one, but I'm curious, especially now, like how do you all foster a culture of continuous learning and adaptation within your support work? For our uh, our company, at least, uh, so learning and continuous learning is really one of our values. We have a very active learning and development team, and we have dedicated resources and budget for every single individual to go and learn and take courses, classes, grow in their role or into a new role if they want to, of course. That's definitely something we already focus a lot on. I would say when it comes to the AI side of learning, 
it's still relatively new and most people haven't gone down that path yet of seeing how can I adapt my, let's say, new skills into this new world we're facing. I think that's going to come over the next 12 to 24 months, but we're maybe a little bit early or at least for our company. Yeah, well then, if we're looking at a cross-role evolution and changing team functions, you know, we're obviously seeing a lot of change. How are you approaching these conversations with your teams? Sam, maybe I'll start with you. Yeah, I think the first biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody is be go into these conversations very open-handed and engage with your colleagues. You know what? I got the Finn Beta email. I was signed up. I went to the webinars. I was engaged. I was pumped. I was the one that hit, yeah, let's just hit go. Let's get it live. And the rest of my management team were like, what the hell did you just do? <laughs> and you need to engage with the rest of the teams in the business because there are knock-on impacts. There are things that you don't think about and you need to take that broader approach. And I can give you a, a great use case for ourselves. So one of the biggest things that sells Shopify applications is their rating and their position on the App Store. And the only way you get those reviews is by engaging and asking for them. There's, there's terms of service that say you can't really automate that or incentivize it. And obviously, we didn't know how well it was going to work. So the knock-on question was, okay, if Finn's taking away 20% of our conversations, does that mean we're not asking for 20% of the reviews and knocking ourselves down on the App Store? And that was a question that was posed to me afterwards. And I was like, uh, I don't know the answers to that question <laughs> at the time. And so the best thing you can do is engage with all departments in your business. If you've got an all hands, whatever, bring it up, share it with the team. Because even with the support guys as well, I can understand a lot of people still feel threatened by it. We now know that it's actually enriching their job roles. But you can imagine to begin with, it's like, uh, they're hiring a bot to replace me. It's like, no, just go into these things as open-handed as possible. Lauren, you've been in operations roles across customer support for some time now. Are there any change management best practices that can be applied here? Yeah, for sure. I'd say communication is really key. So explaining the reason and the why behind a change, that really helps your team understand the reason for it. So I'd err on the side of over-communicating. I'd also say getting buy-in from the team is really helpful to ensure that they actually adopt a change without it feeling too dogmatic. And so essentially you can do this by involving the team in testing or in different projects or getting their feedback. And by involving people, that really allows them to almost become advocates for change. And I'd also say actively listening to the team's concerns, addressing them so that they really feel heard and understood. And by doing that can really alleviate some of the anxiety that they may feel around these changes. And by doing that, that really enables you to almost reframe the conversation as something that's not scary, but like rather as something that's like an exciting opportunity. Yeah. I, that's great advice. Switching gears a bit to a very important topic, measurement. So roles are changing, strategy is changing. How do we measure this? What metrics are you all keeping the closest eye on as you introduce this new technology into your support operations? Maybe we'll start with Christian. Yeah, sure, Liam. So I think uh, as a general rule, we always look at, uh, you know, is it actually making us more efficient, right? That's what we're looking at first. And does it add value for our customers? We need to take a few months to see that, no hasty decisions. 
But for when it comes to AI, at least for us, we measure support volumes vigorously. We want to see what this looks like. And not only in absolute numbers, but also per account ratios, etc. I think seeing less absolute numbers and the curves descending is, is encouraging for everyone. We look at response times and, of course, customer satisfaction, both for, let's say, the human interaction, the part where the bot is involved, and pure fin or AI will resolve conversations. So we are keen to see how that can develop over time. I think in the beginning, a customer can struggle with only being handled by a bot. But I think with time, this will completely change. It's still early days. And of course, last but not least, we look a lot at the answer rate for AI. And I went back to prepare for this call to our reportings in May when we started. And we were at 13 14% resolution rate, which isn't great, but we have to start somewhere. Today, we are at about 26, so double that. And we have a goal towards the end of the year to be towards 35, 40. And I think that's within reach. We actually see on weekends when customers think that we are maybe not open and they are more encouraged to look for their own, that our rates immediately go up to 35-ish. I suppose, can anyone share anything in the way of impact that AI has made on your KPIs so far? Sam, maybe I'll, I'll come to you first. Yeah, sure. So I echo a lot of what Christian kind of just said there. We've been looking at CSAT still. It's a traditional one, but it's not your employees talking anymore. It's Finn interacting with people. I think a real important one for us, though, as well has been employee satisfaction internally within the business. We're seeing much greater retention rates. We haven't seen anybody leave our business this year. And I think the engagements they're getting in other roles is helping them actually think about having a career with us. Traditionally, support can be a role where people change quite often. But now I think this is a almost a golden age where you can go into support and you're not necessarily just a support agent. You're almost a support generalist kind of going and doing other different bits and bobs. So we don't have our employee satisfaction rating for this year just yet. But I can give an example where it probably would have increased things. So using Finn as the, the backup and the AI tech that we've had this year, Traditionally, our team retreat every year would have been two or three days. We would have run away as quickly as possible and then got back to the laptop as fast as possible to hopefully the inbox hadn't got too big. This year, we were able to go away for a full week and Finn let us stay on top of things and keep running. And like, if we can take the team away for a whole week, that's going to be amazing, hopefully, in that CSAT it is. When it comes to actual numbers, though, so we're a much smaller business, but we've put Finn in front of 8,000 people this year. It's, it's crazy. And we've seen our CSAT jump 20 points. So we've gone from 70% to it regularly in the low 90s on a weekly basis now for CSAT. And if you look at the graph and the timings of when we implemented Finn, it literally is that time frame. And I think, as Christian mentioned, those weekends, those out of hours, they're the real sweet spot. We see our Finn rating much higher on the weekends, even though we have real staff there and there's real people there they're rating things much higher because they're getting that instant response at times when they wouldn't expect it. And obviously, we identify as a very British brand, and we have clients in Australia, Japan, these far-out regions, and they're getting answers straight away now. So the CSAT has improved massively, and I think that's a huge thing. If you don't jump into it just for that, I, I don't know why you wouldn't really... 
My thanks to Ruth O'Brien, Christian Osmondson, Sam Ford, and Lauren Francis. If you found this conversation useful, why not hit the follow button? And that way you won't miss out on any of the insight from our weekly episodes. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Inside Intercom. Thanks for listening. This is Inside Intercom.